Hey guys, want to give a big shout out to everybody who checked out our Dave Gibbons interview. That was super fun. Matt, you're a good interviewer, man, and you get good guests. So I appreciate you doing that legwork and getting Dave Gibbons to come talk to us about Batman versus Predator, which I was at work the other day and I was talking about like crossover comics and some dude out of nowhere, somebody who obviously was just eavesdropping on my conversation was like, <laughs> you know what the best crossover ever is? Batman versus Predator. And I was like, yes, you're right. And I tried to sell him on the podcast and he's like, no, but Batman versus Predator. I'm like, yes, I know. I'm very aware. I've talked. We've talked to the writer. Very. I'm super aware. I'm. I'm. I'm excited that you're excited. But he didn't. He didn't want to talk about the writer. He wanted to talk about how cool Batman versus Predator was. Which you know, I guess that's the appropriate response. I, mean, I as long as he's excited, I guess. I'd be like, yeah, Batman versus Predator is cool. But how cool am I for having a podcast? <laughs> Quit talking about that cool comic book. Talk about how cool I am. That Eisner award-winning <laughs> crossover series that was very important and actually made some guys' careers, as well as like a great franchise. It was cool. But me and my friends sometimes talk about dildos. <laughs> <laughs> and how terrible a penis pizza would taste. Yeah, me and my friend think we're really funny, so we record it. <laughs> People in the people in the Netherlands think we're funny. <laughs> we're big in the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, big shout out to everybody who hits us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. And on that YouTube. Is it cool when I say it like that? Probably not. <laughs> Uh-oh, Matt's frozen. <laughs> job. But there are sometimes you like really get into it. I do. I get into it all the time. Uh, yeah, watch us on YouTube. See our silly faces. I make funny faces sometimes, <laughs> especially when they freeze on the Zoom. I'm like, uh, 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 it's always super cute. Um, yeah, today we're just taking it easy. We're going to do a little uh, what have you been watching, but um, let's just get on with the show. I delay it. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt. Where are you? You're you're in a different place. You're not in I'm LA. I'm still in Rhode Island. I'm in Amanda's uh, father and um, stepmother's house. Cool. And yeah, just having a great vacation. For those of you who are watching the YouTube, you can feel the sarcasm coming through the screen. For those of you who are just listening to the boring old analog stream, <laughs> just, <laughs> your just ears can probably feel it crawling through your speakers. The sarcasm there. I'm glad you're having a good time, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's there's some stuff. That, you know, it's cool. The baby's having a good time swimming and going in a lake and doing different adventures and stuff. We were in New Hampshire for the weekend, which was... I like New Hampshire was like much better. It wasn't like it's fucking hot here and it's also humid, which Oof. like... You're from the East Coast as well, or or from not from California at least. You know that there's humidity, and I know that there's humidity. But then you come back and you're in humidity, and you're like, "Oh shit, yeah, you're in Georgia now." I'm glistening. So you know I'm glistening. Yeah. We had we had our our AC unit went out, and we've had to have it fixed. And I was outside with the HVAC guy, hearing about <laughs> the Batman vs Predator guy is like, 
You talk about your air conditioning and humidity. <laughs> I wanted to hear about Batman versus Batman. <laughs> he he finally tunes in. He's like, okay, yeah, he sold me. I'll on give listening. it a chance. I'll give it a chance. He's like, he's talking about HVAC units. These guys are <laughs> whoa. This one guy's talking about is throwing his kid in the lake. This other guy's talking about HVAC units. These guys are wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather hear about penis pizza. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, but um, I have been watching some movies. Been watching a few movies, um, a trilogy of movies, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah. I I checked out Fear Street, man. I watched the R.L. Stein Fear Street trilogy on Netflix, and big thumbs up, man. Um, yeah. I. I Here's the thing. Okay, it's it's interesting because as a standalone movie on itself, I watched the first one, Fear Street, 1994, and it starts in a B. Dalton's bookstore, and I'm like, oh, oh, Matt's not going to like this nostalgia. Uh oh, and it's got music. There's like a ton, there's almost too many music cues. Like every three seconds, they're like, remember the song from the 90s, you guys? Uh. Which I think, but the songs don't have anything to do with like what they're doing. It's not like I work at a no it's like you know smashing pumpkins or some shit um but it's it's you know there's songs that you like but it's not as bad as say i don't know some of the ones you've complained about in the past but it's a scream ripoff and i don't think it's trying not to be a scream ripoff it's trying to be like hey remember those slashers from the 90s they're cool right we we're, we're gonna do that too and they do a good job as a as a scream knockoff but what they're alluding to is like hey there's a bigger picture here and we're trying to do something a little bit different and to that end i think they do a good job and something i will say is the characters are better than any slasher i've seen in a long time just okay. hands down the characters mean something the character I, like i don't want to give away like five minutes into the movie there's a big character twist that you're like oh that's interesting and there's something going down in this town where like there's been like just a ton of slashers throughout the ages and it all stems back to this witch who was killed there in like a Salem witch trial thing. And the kids blame all these slashers on this happening. They're like, these people weren't crazy. They were possessed by a witch and she makes them go on these murdering sprees. And if you are marked for whatever reason, she comes after you and all these other slashers from throughout the history of the town start coming out of the grave and chase you down and kill you. And they won't stop until they get you. And so this girl's friend gets marked, however that happens. And these maniacs are chasing her. There's a guy with a bag on his head and an axe from the 70s. There's a chick from like the 50s or 60s with a razor blade and her face is all cut up. There's like a little kid with a baseball bat and a creepy mask. And there's uh, a guy in a skull mask who's kind of like Ghostface. And they do a great job sort of setting up a... a, a above mediocre slasher movie you know and, and that's the thing like it's not a great slasher movie but it's better than quite a few of them i've seen it's mm -hmm. hard to make a great slasher movie because it is kind of a mediocre you know it, it's easy to slide in at a at a, at a very mediocre just level. be the same thing that that has been yeah yeah and i think they do a good job of being like we're not trying to be anything wild here we're not trying to show you new stuff but the kills are good and the idea on a bigger level is interesting. So I was like, okay, 1994 was cool. Let's check out 1970, what was it, 1976, 1978? Oh, I already forgot. 
It's a 70s one. It takes place at a summer camp. But I'm not listening to these guys. They're talking about air conditioning. They're talking about <laughs> movies. They don't know when they came out or what it's called. Uh, but the second film, and like at this point, my wife got excited. She's like, oh, I want to watch the second one. This one sounds cool. Um, 1978, and it takes place at a summer camp. But it picks up directly where the last one left off, which is cool. You're like, oh, man, these movies really are. Think about this. If this was a miniseries... This is like a 10 episode miniseries, but instead of breaking it into 10 episodes that each need their own arc, it's here's three movies, mm. which I think was actually a really cool approach. So we come to 1978 Fear Street and it's a direct continuation and the girls from the first movie and one of the brothers, they're still on the on the run being chased by the, the curse and and the stakes are higher now and they go and find the survivor of the last time this happened, 1978. And they go to her and she's like, oh man, you can't escape it. You're fucked. But let me tell you what happened to me. And it goes into a flashback to the summer camp in 1978 when all these fucking kids get murdered. And it is a Friday the 13th ripoff. And I don't think it's trying not to be, but it's, again, bigger picture, deeper lore. They're expanding the world that this takes place in. And the characters, again, are more interesting than your typical like hi i'm a dumb cheerleader from this from in this movie hope i don't die in the next scene like hey i'm the big dumb jock here i'm gonna die soon like they just most slasher movies just throw fodder at you and you're like mm-hmm. right i get it you're dumb and you're a slutty character you're gonna die soon hey you're the drug addict and you're dumb you're gonna die soon oh you're the one smart person in this movie i guess you'll live at least to <laughs> yeah. the third act <laughs> <laughs> let me, if I can, let me jump in for, for yeah, two, yeah, yeah. with two questions to get clarification um, that I just forgot both of them. <laughs> I'm not listening to them anymore. What I think when, when people hear, most people hear R.L. Stein, we think Goosebumps. Yeah. And Goosebumps were great, Ooh, yeah. but they were G to PG. The movies that you're talking about, what's the target demo? Who are they shooting for? We couldn't figure it out because these are R rated. Okay, so definitely R-rated, yeah. so it's not, they're not being soft A chick gets it. her head slammed through a bread slicer. It's fucking gnarly, just bleh, spraying her brains are splaying out, and it's, it's, they got some good kills here. All right. Again, nothing, the kills aren't that creative, but I, like I said, I don't think they're trying to elevate the slasher genre. Right, I, right. Like, they're not trying to elevate it through the kills, they're trying to elevate the slasher genre through the characters, which... Well, right, so then my, my other question for you then is, you keep saying, uh, like, so the first one was like a Scream ripoff, and this one is a, uh, uh, a Jason or, or a Friday the 13th ripoff, do you think they are ripping off? Do you think they're using those as like a base model, or do you think that they are, I don't know if paying homage is the right word, or right phrasing, but like... Are they saying, what if Scream was like this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is, is it ripping off where they're like, look, uh, we're going to make a, a Scream movie, but we're going to make it our way, which is kind of like a ripoff. Are they saying, listen, imagine Scream, but through this lens? Y- yes and no. It's imagine Scream, but let's actually have real people involved this time and have real stakes, not okay. just my friends want a party, so I guess we got to die. Like, slashers are usually <laughs> super shallow, and I feel like this... This made the characters matter so that when they start dying, you feel it. You're like, damn, I actually knew about that character. I knew what like they wanted, what they were there for. I knew that they've been through this and they've they've come on this arc and this journey and then bam, axe to the face. And you're like, oh, damn, I thought that was pretty smart. And remember the movie Final Girls? And we had Todd on our show. We had the director on our show talking about it. Final Girls 
was just a slasher movie, but it had an elevated thing because it was a movie about loss. And this is a movie about persecution and outsiders. And that to me was a deeper thing to explore wrapped in a Scream movie. You know, the original Scream, what is that about? It's about slasher movies. It, that's what it is. The deep, there isn't really a lot of deeper meaning. Like, I guess there's loss of her mother. But like, this really was about outsiders. It's an entire town that feels like they are persecuted because everybody keeps killing each other in their town. And the town across the way on the other side of the tracks is all the rich people. And they always get looked down upon. And if you live in Shadyside, you're constantly getting dumped on. And like, your life is stuck there. If you're born in Shadyside, you're fucked because of this curse. And so. 1978 really expands on that in a way that you're like, oh shit, this curse is real. They find the witch's house. They find the book that shows that she was like, you know, she cut her hand off and sacrificed it to the devil. And that made the pact that let her like control the land from here on out. And, um, you know, this guy gets possessed by the witch and he puts the bag on his head and he's got the ax and he's cutting up people. And this movie, I give it huge props because it had the balls to kill kids didn't have the balls to show it though but right. they they killed like campers like came in and there's you get a gold you get a gold star sticker for that you came in and there's this little kid like cuz cuz the kids know the killer too that's what's crazy they're like counselor jimmy and he's like master just, skywalker yes <laughs> and this kid's like counselor and you just see him with the axe and he goes whoop boom and you see the kid's glasses fly through the screen and then the next time you see him it's a pool of blood on the floor and the kid's hand laying down and he kills like four or five kids off screen but still done in a way that you're like they just killed campers something that friday the 13th never had the balls to show so huge props for well, even not even show did they ever do it no right? no no only two movies in the Friday the 13th franchise had kids at the camp. And I think it was Freddy versus Jason and Friday the 13th part uh, five. Six. When, uh, six when he comes. Yeah, six when he comes back. Yeah. And they're the kids like, oh, no. And they're fighting in the lake. Awesome. Awesome. But like menacing the kids. Not only do they menace the kids, they menace the kids. And they start they killing menace them. Menace them with an axe. With an axe to the face. Oh man, there's a double like double kill with two kids. Like they're standing there, like they like reach out and hold hands, and he comes swinging with the axe, and you just see blood spray everywhere. Two players like, of glasses go flying. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> friendship bracelets everywhere. Um, but so then, so that that's the sequel, and, and it is brutal. That one. So the first movie takes place in the '90s, and it is scream esque. Yeah. This one is more of a camp slasher with also the '70s and '80s throwback. Now let me ask you this. Yeah. Well, how do, I, I, I've been jonesing to watch a camp slasher. Like I'm in a summer camp slasher mood. The burn. I was, I've seen it recently. I've seen that. I've seen it. So I've seen good. that recently. So and good. I only saw it once recently. And it was like one of those that like everyone would be like, Oh, you haven't seen the burning yet. You got to see the burning. And I saw it and I was like, ah, if I'd seen this 20 years ago, it would have made a bigger impact. But anyway, yeah. Would this movie scratch that itch? You should watch the trilogy. You can't just watch them on their no, own. No, no, but I that mean, if I watch the trilogy when I got to this one, would it scratch a good camp camp slasher itch? I, I don't know. You might not like it because it's trying to scratch that itch. But again, I think what elevates this is the bigger picture, the bigger themes, and the better characters. Mm. So I don't know if this scratches the itch because I don't. I think it's trying to be like, yeah, we're a camp slasher movie, but it's not aiming at like... Mm. 
you know, it, it's not doing it with a wink at you. Sure. So that could help or that could hurt. You might you might not do not like it because it's not trying to scratch that itch in the same way that um you know the, the that uh, that another slasher ripoff might. Okay. But you might also be like, oh, they're actually doing something unique in in a rapper that I've seen before. So it might. Is but a again, rapper in it. <laughs> Buster Rhymes. <laughs> yeah. And he Wait, kicks Ghostface out think the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at the last minute, you just see Michael Myers' eyes, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking hate that movie." All right, so all right, so that's the second one. That's the second one. And so at the end of the second one, they think they know how to beat the curse, and they're like, "We got this." And so the whole thing is like, we got to reunite the dead witch. We found her body. We found her severed hand, the skeleton of her severed hand. We got to put them back together, and that will like end the curse. So they get them all. They put them back together. The the girl, the main character from the first movie, who's who has been in the second movie. We went through the flashback. We're back out of the flashback. They're trying to figure it out, and she puts the hand with the body, and then gets like some sort of crazy vision, and she wakes up, and she's in 1666, and that's the start of the third movie. In the third movie, Fear Street 1666, it's the story of the witch, but because it's like a weird hallucination, all the characters from the whole franchise are in the movie playing different characters in the 1600s. Interesting. And this is about this girl who falls in love with another girl and some people call them out about it and they're like witches you lesbian witches and they they you know so they're they're persecuting them over it they have to hide it but then blight strikes the town everybody's food starts to rot right and they're like it's because of these witches we got to string them up and then somebody's like where are the children and they're like oh my god where's the pastor he's locked inside the church and they're banging on the door. You just hear this guy scream in fire and brimstone. And they bust in the door and all the kids are just sitting there in the pews. And everybody starts screaming and they look at the pastor and he raises his head up and he's missing his eyes and he's plucked his eyes out with hooks. And as the people walk towards him, he's at the front in the pulpit, You pat, the camera passes by the children. All their eyes have been plucked out and they're dead. Murdered every child in the town. Wow. So whereas the second movie didn't have the balls to show you a murdered child, the third movie had the balls to kill like 12 to 16 children and pluck their eyes out and show it. The third movie is so unique on its own right. I would like I love The Witch, but like how many 1600s, you know, pilgrim movies are you sure. going to watch? How many times like I'm never in the mood to watch The Crucible. Yeah, I was just going to say you got to be in <laughs> for me, I got to be in the mood. And yeah. it's got to be good. Like, I'll be honest, and I think we talked about it. I don't like The Witch. I didn't think, I mean, I can see why everyone liked it. I think it did some spectacular things. I guess that's the best. I think it was a good movie, but I, it wasn't for me. Does that make yeah. sense? So, like, I'm not sure. shitting at it. I'm not saying it did anything wrong, but it was too far out of what I wanted yeah. for me to like it enough. But arguably the best out of the three because it is about true <laughs> persecution. So now these two witches who aren't witches at all they just love each other suddenly they're being hunted by the town who are like you caused this you you're evil because you guys kissed your evil made that preacher go crazy and he killed all the kids so we're gonna hang your asses and so they're torturing them they're hunting them down and it's this it's this horrifying 
realization that like they're the real people, the rational humans, the adults in this situation are hunting you down for no reason. And that to me was like, wow, we're the real monsters, aren't we? Hmm. Like fucking scary. And you feel it because like they're dragging her girlfriend around, beating her up and stuff. And like she has to just listen to it and hide. And there's these really tense moments of her hiding while they're chasing her. And you're like, I would have never picked this movie out to watch it. But the fact that it led me to it through the other two movies. Right, right. And like these pseudo slashers, these slasher movies have brought me to a very real thing. That's like, this happens for real. This was something that happened during the Salem Witch Trials and happens to this day where people are like, hey, that person's different. Get them. That's horrifying. And that realness made this an excellent thing. And just like the best horror movies do, they take real fear and then the monster appears. Then the supernatural happens. She crawls down underground and she finds the secret cave that we've seen in the other movies. Mm. And you're like, She's going to get into some witch shit. And she's like, if they want to find a witch, I'll give them a witch. Let's find the book and bring a curse upon the town. But she gets down there and it's like, oh, somebody already did it. And you find out who's been pulling the strings the whole time. And you're like, wait, she wasn't the witch. She hasn't cursed the town. You find out who actually has been doing it. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. She gets her hand cut off and she goes up and gets hung. And she wasn't the witch. She wasn't the curse. The whole town just was up against her with her hand cut off. She's just hanging there from her tree. And her friends cut her down. And they say, we'll make the curse happen. So they, they hide the body and separate the hands. And that's about like halfway through the movie. And you're like, what's going to happen? Boom. Cuts back to 1994. And it goes, 1994 part two. So part three is actually two movies in one. <laughs> 1666 its own movie and then boom 1994 part two brings it all full circle so now they're in the mall and they are fighting all the serial killers throughout this town's history are all converging at the mall and killing people the people the outcasts from the town are trying to figure out how to solve this and they're trying to stop the person who's been the secret illuminati characters who have been pulling the strings the whole time and it is fucking cool it's like a, a serial killer showdown there's all these like cool kills there's people just fighting masked maniacs and a great showdown and i thought it was i thought it was great the third one though really was the one that felt like that's that's why we watched these other two movies and it built to something that was actually impressive i'm interesting i mean i'm interested in the premise once i realized it was three movies that were kind of connected that it was netflix and Earl stein i was like okay i'm on board then you've been texting me about it for like the last week about how big your boner is about it. And I'm like, okay, so if that usually three movies big. Yeah. (laughs) If your boner is that big about something, it's usually at least worth checking out. Even if I don't end up liking it, it's kind of cool for me to see what got you so excited, even if it doesn't get me excited. Um, But that looks, I mean, that sounds pretty good. The question that it may, the, especially when you are talking about the third movie, the question that I have is, would you curse a town for me? I wouldn't have to. Somebody already did it. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, you mean? Yeah, in the movie, somebody else had already cursed the town. Would I curse a town for you? But I mean, Fuck you said, yeah. the, you said that her yeah. friends cut her down, right? Her, the friends cut her down and they say, they, they, they're like, we'll, we'll make people think that the curse is real. Because at, they're at that point where they, they think the curse, the friends don't believe in the curse. Sorry, speaking of curse, I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> Poor kid. My Satan spawn is yelling. Um, 
the kids don't believe that the curse is real. They believe that the town's just crazy. Everybody's a maniac. But the curse is real, but not the way they thought it was. Twist, 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 twist. <laughs> but I like it when they're I, like, I'm on board. you know, when they're like, if you if you think this is going to be a curse, I'll show you a curse. And they get all all crazy about it. But it was good. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to love it because it is does have some nostalgia bombs. It's constantly dropping music cues. Um, but I think as far as a series goes, as far as trying to do something different with something that's pretty cliche, good on you. And it, this was like written by a couple different people, but they're all directed by Lee Janik, who she did a movie called Honeymoon and she directed a couple episodes of Scream, which I worked on. So I've, I've met her before. I'd love to get her on the show to talk about this and like, you know, how she put all this together, but it was pretty cool. I think, well, don't discount that I like something just because of music cues and stuff, because this seems like it's purposely doing a throwback callback situation when you're just like, let's make a movie about Captain Marvel and set it in the 90s. Let's make a movie about Wonder Woman and set it in the 80s. Like what? But for what purpose? You know what I mean? Like those are just to do it to for nostalgic value. To, as a trick to get you to like the movie, in my opinion. Um, when you're making a movie about slashers and you're calling back to Scream or you know what, whatever, I can see you going to the 70s or the 90s. When you're making a movie about camp, I can see you hitting up some 70s cues. As mm-hmm. long as you're not, I think they use it as a crutch, as long as it's not used as a crutch. But it sounds like you got really into this for the way it was built, like the way, you know, the infrastructure of, the, of, the, of each movies and stuff. No, I was invested in the bigger picture, big time, like the lore. By the time you're like, oh man, I want to know, I want to know if this curse is real. Man, I hope we find out what happens to that witch. By the time they get to the third movie and deliver, and delivered in a way that you're like, I did not see that coming. Cool. Mm. Like, good on you. And, and it's hard to do that. You have to give people, I think you have to give people credit when they can elevate something. Like, Scream. Scream was a huge risk. I'm going to do a slasher movie. The 80s was already like, hey, we're tired of slasher movies, guys. Right. We're, we're done. And he's like, I got one more in me. Boom. Screen comes out. Holy shit. But now that has become cliche. So to be able to still show that there's still more to do with a slasher genre, I think is impressive. I guess it's like that thing. And it's funny because I've watched a shit ton in the last like couple months. I've watched a shit ton of movies that were exactly cookie cutter what they were. Like, here's a police drama or, you know, a thriller, a police cat and mouse game. It's exactly what you think it would be. Like, it didn't even try. Like, we've all seen a movie that we've seen a thousand times before, but with one twist or one reveal or it did one wacky thing, whether it lands or not, it tried to be like regular, regular. Ha, this is what sets my film apart. I feel like I don't know if I'm just picking them shitty or they're making them shitty. But like, I've been watching a lot of these movies that are just... Really? Yeah. You didn't even try to make this different than any of the movies I've seen, but it sounds like this is pretty refreshing. Kind of like, and again, I'm, 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 I actually wrote it down to rewatch it, but that you brought up, uh, Todd, was it Todd Strauss? Yeah. His, uh, uh, final girls. Todd Strauss. Really yeah. That's a cool movie. Um, and I like that because it, it is not reinventing the slasher genres, but at the same time, there was a cool, a couple cool ideas in that movie that made it different than all the other movies that it, you know, was paying homage and 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 wanted you to recall while you're watching. It actually leaned into the cliche. It's like mm-hmm. the, as part of what it was doing, right? Exactly. Like, and and 
Whereas I, I don't think Fear Street is trying to be like wink wink. Like they they they're never winking at you. Mm. Um, but I think it's really smart when a movie can say, "Look, I I know we're not doing a new thing here, but we're gonna do the best job with the material, the, the like the framework. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna try something different." And, and I think you know you could say that that's that's always entertaining when things have been done to death and somebody puts a nice spin on it. But I guess you know, like you say, as long as you can justify doing it differently. Like, I, I, I'm going to bring in a cooking reference. Like, if you make a burger and you're like, I'm going to do something different, you're like, cool, what are you going to do? I'm going to put a slice of cranberry on here and some potato chips and some blue cheese. And you're like, oh, that's different and it's actually a delicious burger. But like, if you're like, I'm going to put bacon on there, I'm going to put another burger on there, I'm going to put a grilled cheese on there. You're like, yeah, now you're just getting ridiculous. Like, there, there, is a li- <laughs> there is a limit to it when you're like, yeah, but why? Like I like that in this example, cranberry and cream, which is a cream cheese, blue, blue cheese, blue cheese, blue, cranberry and blue cheese was your whoa burger, and your oh this is too far now was bacon and a grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that seems way more burgerish than cranberries. Okay, so the cranberry, blue cheese crumbles, and potato chips is called the grill them all. Oh, I want it. That sounds good. It's really good. The one that I had that was like literally like multiple sandwiches inside of a sandwich was just like, it's like a clown car. I can take these apart. Here, here's another one. Somebody's like, we're deconstructing ramen. Here's the broth and here's the noodles on the side. I'm like, you just didn't finish making the ramen. <laughs> you're you're not make- a genius. You're lazy. Yeah. You're making me put the noodles in the broth. You didn't finish it. That's that's kind of the way. Sometimes I feel that way about like pho when they're like, here's raw meat and yeah, here's right. a bowl of hot water. You cook the meat in here. I'm like, how about you put the meat in there and bring it to me when it's cooked? Because now I'm just waiting around for my food to cook. Like, that's Did you ever do I, sh- yeah, you ever do shabu shabu? Where you cook it on the little grill in yeah, front like of you? Yeah, your, like your table is the thing and you cook it. Me and yeah. Amanda did that once and like it was fun. We've actually done it a couple times, but it's fun. But every time we do it, I'm thinking... I'm paying them to give me raw food that I'm doing the work for. And it's not even at a discount. Like you think it would be like half yeah. price, right? You're like, hey, I have a grill at home. <laughs> I mean, it's not built into my table, but I mean, I feel like I could buy this stuff other places. Like, hey, can you guys raw just meat? can you just send me some of this nice shaved like pork belly and I'll just take it home? Yeah, and- uh, Amazon that shit. See how much raw pork belly is. <laughs> At that there in two days, we'll have shabu shabu at my house. Oh, you mean regular dinner? <laughs> it's like the novelty of you cooking it yourself is what you're the experience you're paying for. You're like, can you can you do the job and then I'll eat it? Like, I'm going to deconstruct a pizza. I'm going to put a flat piece of bread in, and and you can dip all Here's the ingredients a jar of sauce. in the sauce. <laughs> Imagine if you went to a movie, a deconstructed movie, and you got there and there was like a camera and a bunch of wardrobe. Like, <laughs> what? We're deconstructing the movies. Just a ca- <laughs> They're like, here's some script prompts. And you're like, wait, what am I doing? Oh, Matt, you and I should open the most exclusive of secret underground restaurants. It's late at night and it's called Vaughn's. <laughs> For those of you on the East Coast, it could be called Kroger. Shaw's. Shaw's. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you show up and you pay me a lot of money 
and I let you into the secret restaurant and it's it's just a deconstructed thing. And <laughs> <laughs> you you got to provide your own tables even. <laughs> you can pick out whatever you want <laughs> a la carte and then we'll just charge you for it. I thought they were going to talk about Batman vs. Predator. Now they're not even talking about entertainment topics. <laughs> they're talking about tricking me into grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> they're making me feel bad for getting Shabu Shabu. <laughs> so, our, our, I didn't know we were big in the Shabu Shabu restaurant industry, but they're like, we're turning it off. Fuck the Launchpad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they talking about slashers five minutes ago? Now they're talking about Shabu Shabu. They're hungry. Obviously, they're very hungry. <laughs> I didn't get breakfast. <laughs> Anyone like I don't this doesn't happen because we're not a radio show, but anybody who just tuned in now is like, what? What podcast is this? What are the handsome boys talking about? <sighs> but man, it is it's worth watching. You guys should watch Fear Street. Right. Um if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, read those books, man. They I don't think they have anything to do with this movie series, but like the books as a kid, I was like when I was the preteen, I read Fear R.L. Stein Fear Street and they were super fun. And a little more like graphic. People got stabbed. Oh, cool. damn. I didn't even put those together. I knew that there were R.L. Stein books called Fear Street, but I never read them. I only read a handful of Goosebumps, not even a yeah. lot. Um, but I didn't put together that these books have any, oh, that these movies have anything to do or could have anything to do with the books. I completely forgot that the books existed until you just said that. Yeah, they were fun. They were better than Goosebumps in the sense that they were like a little more risque, but they were fun. They were fun. They were cool. I love Goosebumps, man. I read, I, I must have read a hundred Goosebumps books. I've read, I read every one until I got to the age where I was like, oh, these are a pattern. He literally has a template at home that's like right. <laughs> 20 pages in, uh, their friends play a trick on them. They don't buy it, but they get scared anyway. <laughs> 40 pages in, the real scary thing happens. The parents don't believe them and they're in trouble. 60 pages in, they find out what's going on and a hundred pages, they beat the, beat the monster at the end. And it was like literally every single book had that. The formula was written just every time. And you're like, oh, he just like replaced scary ventriloquist dummy with mask that melts your face. Those covers were rad, though. All the books were rad. They had great stuff yeah. going on. I read. Fun. So I forget what grade it was, but I probably still have it. I read. I got, I got one. My parents probably got it for me or something at like the Scholastic Book Fair or whatever. And it was called Don't Go in the Basement. Yeah. And there was this creepy plant hand behind a door. Because this guy was like turning into plants and shit or turning mm -hmm. kids into plants. Oh, I can't remember. I read it. Was. It was great. I did a book report on it, but I remember it was the only one I had and the only one I read and the internet wasn't a thing. So I didn't realize that Goosebumps was a series. I thought the name <laughs> of the book was Goosebumps. So I wrote, you know, I wrote the book report about this book I had called Goosebumps and I got good grade on it and everything. Come to find out shortly thereafter, I realized it was a series and that the name was not Goosebumps and I felt like a fraud. Like I felt like I should go back to the teacher and be like, listen, the title was actually not Goosebumps. The title was Don't Go in the Basement. Like honestly, like I remember being like, oh, damn. Does that count as like plagiarism or something? <laughs> and the teacher's like, I knew that the title wasn't Goosebumps, but you're an idiot, so I'm going to let it slide. I've been reading like, that shit for years, dude. Return to Horrorland and shit. Get out of here. Oh, let's get invisible. Say cheese and die with about a killer camera. The werewolf um, of Fever Lake or something? Fever Swamp? Uh, something like that. Welcome to Dead House. Um, Night of the Living Dummy was a great one. That was the one yeah. that had Slappy. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was a, I think there's at least two, if not three of those. 
they he got in cool sequels too. There's like one with like green ooze that would make things crazy. Uh, Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Uh, piano lessons can be murder. I remember that one where like these guy was cutting kids' hands off and they would like play piano. Um, kids actually the got their hands cut off. Yeah. Do they magically get put back on later? Probably. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't like. I honestly remember very little from these books as like yeah, plot wise. But I'm looking up the, the covers. Slappy ones I read. Yeah. Um, the covers are great though. You're right. The the covers are like album like 80s album cover good they're yeah, so yeah, good yeah, yeah. <laughs> the haunted mask fuck yeah man i remember that cover some of these covers i can see when you say it and then he did the reader beware you choose the scare which were like funny um choose your own adventure goosebumps so good man i want to read nostalgic here i am i want to read the oh i hate it oh as long as nobody plays a, a 90s song we'll be okay we should take one of those books and rewrite like just like modify it to make it like a hard r i think it'd be pretty easy because i feel like a lot of yeah like, yeah kids kids were pretty menaced and shit was going down well but just then, gotta like, make it just gotta amp up the couple suspenseful things you don't have to change the structure you don't have to change the characters really or anything yeah you know just just erase the word almost a couple times <laughs> <laughs> dead <laughs> anytime we would watch like transformers and like somebody who's in the car would be like squish dead yeah yeah anytime, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anytime gi joe they're parachuting out we're like no 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 they're dead we, we, we you and i we, you and i used to watch uh, batman the animated series and yeah. if something blew up we'd be like there were three people in that building dead, <laughs> dead. Or like if he did pull someone out, you'd be like, there's no way he saved him. Yeah. No. Fucking dead. Burned beyond recognition. <sighs> so do you have any movies that you've been watching? You got anything else? Yeah, I got, I got two. Right. And Hit for the up. sake of time, I'll throw one out and see if we have time for the other. My question to you is you want to hear live action? You want to hear animated? Animated. Yes. Okay. Not sure if you saw this. 2016 Korean Soul Station. The Train to Busan prequel, sequel, side running. Um, is it related to that movie? Yes. I didn't know if it was. It is pretty fucking cool. It's mm. 2016. And I guess, yeah, when I searched it, um, Train to Busan came up. Uh, let's see. Train to Busan. I'll see what year that is and see if it. Train to Busan was 2016, the same day. Yeah. So this this so, was a supplemental sh movie that went with it. It's awesome. I didn't even know about it. Train to Busan is great. And if I think it, it's funny because obviously it, there's a lot of parallels. It's another Korean zombie uh, shindig. It's an hour and a half. It is cool as shit. And it was on, I was on Tubi and I was flipping through and I saw it. And I was like an animated zombie movie. And then I was like from Asia. I was like, that's awesome. And it took me a minute to like get to it. When I finally got to it, it's really good. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's definitely some things in it that I'm going to spoil. So if you guys want to watch this movie, Korean animated zombie movie, it's called Soul Station, S-E-O-U-L for like the, uh, the town in um or the city rather in in korea the capital of south korea capital s so <laughs> <laughs> um if you want to watch it watch it first because there's a couple cool review a couple things here the movie opens and there's like this guy he's walking through the city and he's bleeding from his neck he's holding it and we as people who've seen zombie movies know what must have happened right and people try to help him but they can't then there's also a story of this woman who used to be a prostitute and now she's with this guy who's essentially trying to pimp her out and also manipulating her. 
So they're, you know, it sets up that those characters, they get into a huge fight and then run away from each other. As that happens, the zombie aspect starts getting bigger and bigger. So one guy tries to help this guy with the bleeding neck. He brings him to a couple different places. Finally, that guy turns into a zombie and then starts zombifying everybody, right? But also more people are zombies. It's not just this one. Everything doesn't spread from this one guy. But there's zombies. The cool thing about this movie is it doesn't explain it. It doesn't say where it came from. It just starts happening. And the, there's no time to figure out why this is happening. So the guy who's trying to pimp out his girlfriend sends an email out or posts something somewhere uh, with a picture of the girl. And it's like, you know, sleep with this girl. You see this guy, an older guy in a polo shirt looking out a window ominously and his phone rings. And the phone is like, hey, I found the girl. And I forget what her name is, but it says, I found, so, I found so-and-so. I'll send you the address. And they, the guy in the polo shirt looks at this link and he opens up this post about pimping this girl out. And he's old enough. And the girl has mentioned something about failing her father and trouble with her father. This guy ends up finding the nerdy little pimp guy. And the pimp guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll get good price. She's great, great. And he grabs her. He's like, I'm her fucking father. Where is she? And, and he's a big, muscly you know, older guy, but in good shape. And he can destroy this nerdy ass little pimp. And he's just like, where is she? And he's like almost beating the shit out of him. And you feel it. I thought it was like a really good scene. Good, 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 intense. So these two guys now try to track the girl down while the girl's trying to track, uh, I guess trying to get away from him at first, but then trying to find him. And then the zombie plot comes into play where they go back to their, the, the, the apartment that these people share and the woman next door is a zombie and she breaks in and the dad without hesitation just grabs the top of the toilet tank beats like beats her to death with it and then he turns to the guy and he's like where is my daughter and he's like i, I i'm trying to find her but because they fought the daughter is not answering the phone call of the nerdy guy mm. so they're tracking her down there's and they keep having zombies you know they climb out the window up the up the water spout to you know get away from the zombies they kind of put them in situations where you're like, at a certain point, why wouldn't the dad just take the cell phone and beat the shit out of this guy? And like, what does he need him for? But they get into a situation where like, he needs the guy to run over there, distract the zombies away from his car so he can get in the car and then pick the guy back up. And they do it. And it's pretty, it's pretty fucking tense. The girl has her own things where she keeps getting involved with people and zombies. There's a great scene where her and a couple people go to a police station and they're like this, there's weird, weird, crazy people chasing us. And the zombies bust into the police station, kill almost all the cops. Everybody that's alive runs into a jail cell, closes and locks the jail cell, but the keys are on the outside. So you're like, wait, how smart are the zombies? The zombies are not smart. They're trying to get the people through the, the, the gate. And there's three or four, I think it's Three or four people are in the jail cell, including one cop with a gun. Come to find out one of the people in that jail cell got bit. So that, you know, turns. So now you're in there and the, the zombies like an escape room are just almost grabbing the people. It's really good. And there's a lot of scenes like that that I thought were super effective. And it's great. And like, I'm not one of those people that doesn't like to read subtitles. Some people don't. There was a couple points where some cool action was happening and reading the subtitles. I then had to backtrack again just to see it. But it's super fucking cool. They keep almost finding each other. Um, they're one step behind each other. The, you know, the, the, I guess their version of the National Guard or the government army comes in and it's apparent that they're not really there to help. Um, they almost find each other. 
this girl ends up breaking into like an Ikea, like a place that's set up with multiple fake rooms and fake bedrooms. Right. And she gets a message to the dad and the, and the, the pimp boyfriend guy to come. She falls asleep and she wakes up and the, the pimp boyfriend has walked into the room and it feels like a dream. And he's like, we're here. We're, we're saving you. Your dad's here. And she's like, my dad, he's like, yeah, he came to find me and all this shit. And we out of this adventure. We're here. And you know, there's theoretically the threat of zombies. And he's like, she's over here. And he's, he's, they're talking and they're like, it seems dreamlike down the hallway of this Ikea, the door opens and the dad walks through and she looks up and she freezes and she goes, that's not my dad. It's her pimp from her former life. Oh, it's, I'm telling you, man, I did, I did not expect it because the movie does an amazing job of setting him up as a father. And if someone was pimping my daughter out, I would have done everything he did at any given point in this movie. It's amazing. And when that reveal happens, I could not believe, I was like, fuck. And he goes apeshit. And she owes him money, which we've been, you know, very gently told about throughout the story. So he, that the, the dad pimp goes crazy, beats the other guy and stabs the other guy to death, then is trying to get her and either get her to come back with him or kill her. And then, I don't know, I mean, I've ruined so much of it. I don't know if I should just say what happens at the end. I mean, drop it. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. It's a good ending, too. So they, he, he's bringing her. She's, she gets away from him. So she's hiding somewhere in the Ikea. He's trying to find her. She did like the, uh, the, the, um, the Danny Torrance where like she had bloody footprints going into a closet, but then she jumped into another thing. Mm. But we don't know that, but it's set up. We know she's in a closet. He opens the closet to kill her and she's not there. She tries to kill him. He gets her. He throws her on a bed. He starts choking her, choking her. And then he go, he, he's choking her, choking her. And then he goes to rape her. But as he gets on top of her, he touches her. And he realizes that she's cold and he goes, oh, shit, I killed her. So he starts being like, no, baby, no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he tries to start trying to revive her. And she opens her eyes and she's a zombie. Fucking awesome. Oh, it's, a, it's, shit. it's really cool. It's it's one of those movies, like we just said, like there's there's cranberries and blue cheese throughout. I've seen a movie about zombies. I've seen a movie about people trying to find people trying to find each other in a city during zombies. But there's a lot of things in there that I did not expect do you and think, I wasn't on board for. Do you I think this movie needed to be animated to get it done, right? No, but I think, I mean, if you think about it, like the zombie, there's a lot, there is a bunch of zombies. It's not, you know, um, Evil Dead, where they're right. going for the gore, they're going for the kills. It's not like that. There are some scenes where there's a lot of zombies, but I feel like if you could make a movie... You could take a, a decent budget and put it together and be like, I mean, okay. They made Trade the Busan, which was a really well done, lots of zombies. I mean, that's a I big budget. I can't imagine that this would cost more or yeah. be harder to make than Trade. The only problem is this is one of those movies that takes place in a city and there's a lot of shots of different things in the city. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have the money to do that, I feel like a lot of those movies that like take place in a theoretically in a giant sprawling city, but you don't have the money, they're all like pretty tight, medium to close ups. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's in a city because you never get that scope. But if you didn't fall into those pitfalls, it did not need to be animated. But it almost made it like another another slice of cranberry on that burger because mm -hmm. how many animated zombie movies have I seen? Right. You know, I, I'd have I to think, think about it. I 
And I think it's ahead of its time in the sense that I really think now after pandemic, people are going to be like, what else can we animate? Yeah. Because making a movie seems tricky nowadays, especially mm-hmm. if you know this pandemic gets worse again. Like, are we sliding back? I would love to see more animated horror movies, more animated things if they're done right. Like when you mm. think about something like Love, Death, and the D- Love, Death, and Robots, which is David Fincher's Netflix animated project that has a bunch of different artists and animators and studios making really cool adult shorts, and they are cool. They're super yeah. violent. They're super bloody. There's nudity. There's murder. There's dismemberment. It's fucking great. Some of them are funny. Some of them are scary. Some of them are just like action packed. I would love to see that. And and one of the ones that I, I think would be awesome, I'd love to see a werewolf movie done exactly how you want it to be like lots of werewolf action lots of like werewolf fighting werewolf gore good transformations but done in a way that like look werewolf movies are hard to do because they're expensive it's really expensive to make a good werewolf costume puppet monster robot whatever whatever it is however you approach it you need to have a werewolf and that's hard to do so like to do an animated werewolf movie and there's one of them in Love Death and Robots there's like this soldier right. of werewolf soldiers it's which is awesome. pretty cool. Really cool. But I would love to see a, an animated movie that did werewolves right and did a really cool version cuz I've watched a couple werewolf movies recently that just didn't deliver on the werewolves. They did a good yeah. job and the movies are fine, but they didn't deliver on werewolves so I don't know. Like it didn't it did not scratch the werewolf itch. I get that. And it's uh, it's funny and I, we We've had werewolf episodes before, but we couldn't should have more. I feel like it's not. It's kind of a cop out to say werewolf movies are expensive because they are. But get your shit together, because if you make a werewolf movie, if you get a couple good scenes and spend your money on that werewolf, what else do you? I mean, locations and logistics and everything. Principal actors. Right. If you want it to be a big movie, you got to get some big names in there. But like spend your money on the werewolf and then make, you know, make a movie that works around that yep. you know the werewolf shouldn't have you know a thousand machine guns shouldn't be a thousand werewolves but you could make scream with a werewolf yeah. if you made it if you made it smart you know and and, but, and and well and another problem is stop trying to make the howling and american werewolf in london right. again <laughs> yeah. those yeah. movies already got made <laughs> yeah. and they were and awesome well yeah yeah if you're if you're an exorcism movie stop making the exorcist i've seen like if you're a possession movie, don't do The Exorcist again. Stop it. We saw that right. movie and it's better than yours. Like, it's it's a pitfall. Everybody's like, I want to make a werewolf movie, so we need to have a bitching transformation. Yes, you do. But guess what? The Howling already did it. So don't take five minutes of guy going, because <laughs> like everybody does that and it's been done to death. Show me a cooler transformation. Like, uh, anyway, we're getting we're going to digress into werewolves again if we if we keep going down that path. But yeah, werewolf movies have not been good lately. Show me an animated one. Um, Train, Train to Busan is one of my favorites, and the sequel Peninsula was awesome, really well done. Is that out already? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's out. It's been out for a while. It's been out for like a year. Look at me. I saw it during pandemic. It was great. It was great. Really cool. Um, right. Train to Busan's better. This was a little less about zombies and more about like factions of people fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with zombies in there, which it was cool, but. Train to Busan's better, and I haven't seen Soul Station, but I know I know of it, and I've seen scenes from it, and it's awesome. You know, the animation looks. It's really worth cool. it. It's worth it. Like I said uh, earlier in this episode, I watched <laughs> some shit lately, or at least some like waste of time. Like it wasn't bad, but it was just like, because if it was bad, I'd be like, oh, you got to watch this movie. It's terrible. But like, look, um, we got a little time. Can I tell you about one more? Yeah. All right. This is a movie I've been meaning to watch forever. I bet you know it if you haven't seen it. 
Uh, it's 1978's Magic with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, with the creepy ventriloquist on the front cover, Slappy yeah. the Dummy. You ever seen it? No. Is it crazy? I never saw it. It is uh, crazy is not the right word. It is. It was really good. It's one of those things where essentially it's a movie that we've seen many times before. But if we had seen it in 1978, we wouldn't have seen it many times yet. Mm. And I watched it. I liked it a lot. And when it was over, I was trying to think of like why I liked it. Like, why is it better than what's come after that? As I looked into it for this episode, I found out because it's directed by Richard Attenborough. So that's part of it. Richard Attenborough did Gandhi. He did The Great Escape. He was in Jurassic Park playing John Hammond. He's an amazing director and actor. And this is a movie that, like I said, and I'll, t- I'll explain it, what we've seen, bef- we've seen it a bunch of times before, but it's well done. And it was written, I looked, this is something I didn't know, I looked it up. It's written by William Goldman. William Goldman is a writer who wrote things like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid, All the I'm, President's I'm looking Men, at this right now, Princess I'm in Bride. shock. Richard Marathon Attenborough? Man. What? William Goldman? And I think had I known this thing, these things earlier, I would have bought or watched this movie earlier. Because there's been a million times I could have seen it before. But it was late night. I was like, let me just check this out. It was bitching. Anthony Hopkins plays a bad ventri- ventriloquist who has this dummy, right? And he's trying. Uh, there is a old mentor who's trying to help him. And as he dies, he tells him this secret. The secret somehow makes the, the dummy alive, right? They don't really get into it, and it doesn't matter. He's got a giant dummy that kind of looks like him a little bit, but the head is giant, and it's very animated. The mouth moves, both lips move, the eyes and the eyebrows, the ears wiggle. It does a lot of stuff, and it's kind of creepy looking. So he's now a good ventriloquist, right? Now, this has been done before 1978. This kind of thing was done at least once, if not twice, in... um. The Twilight Zone, right? As well yep. as some other made-for-TV movies and stuff. So again, we've even in 1978, we've seen it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins has Burgess Meredith as his manager. Burgess Meredith played the Penguin in the 1966 Batman, mm-hmm. as well as some of the most memorable characters from The Twilight Zone. He's his manager, and he's getting on his case. And Anthony Hopkins is like, I'm taking my dummy. I'm going to practice, work on a new routine out in this farm somewhere. Farm is owned by this girl who he used to like. Now he's getting the confidence to maybe make a move. He gets there. They fall in love. She's married, but they fall in love and start doing a little bit. Her husband's like a truck driver or some shit. He's gone, but comes back every so often. And there's nothing sexier than a ventriloquist. (laughs) That's the thing. And he's always wearing like collared shirts with sweaters over them. They really make like, and that's the thing we've seen the, like the, the terrible looking ventriloquist. I think this was one of the first instances where we saw that uh, chronologically, at least. And, you know, Anthony Hopkins is kind of bumbling over stuff. He, she, this relatively cute girl falls for him for absolutely no real reason, but you know, whatever. And she really is into it, but he's doing weird shit. Like he's snapping at her out of nowhere. He's trying to do some card trick and he about telepathy. He's yelling at her when it's not working. Some really flashes of anger and scary shit. Mm-hmm. And a couple times the doll says some shit that you think could have been the doll and not him, but it's always done in a way that it could have been him. So sometimes he's walking around the room and the doll is talking, but you can't, or the dummy, I should say, but you can't see the dummy. 
So we don't know if the dummy's lips are moving. You know what I mean? It, uh, it's not Chucky where at a certain point we see Chucky turn. There is one scene where you do see the doll start to move and you're like, oh shit. But Anthony Hopkins was hidden behind it. And then that's revealed in the scene. So you don't know if he's crazy talking to the doll. Exactly. Or- and that's the crux of the movie. And the more the movie gets into it, at first, I think it sets it up that he's crazy. Then it's like, is something paranormal happening here? And then it gets back into, no, he's crazy. Burgess Meredith ends up coming out and trying to talk him out of it. And he sees how fucking disturbed Anthony Hopkins is. And he's like, I'm going to go get you help. I'm getting, I'm getting a doctor here. When he leaves, Anthony Hopkins looks at the dummy. The dummy's like, you can't let him leave. Anthony Hopkins beats him to death with the dummy and throws the body into the lake in the Ooh. farm that that he's there and the dummy's like you know weigh his pockets down dummy what are you afraid of swimming bring him out dude there's a scene anthony hopkins shirtless swimming in this lake at midnight dragging the dead body of burgess meredith into the water to weigh him down and he goes to do it and anthony hopkins uh sorry burgess meredith opens his eyes he was alive so he tries to drown him drop push pushes him down pushes him down then he he drowns him and he leaves and the woman's husband comes home and he she says like hey we kind of got to go in there and just act regular because we've been having this affair and we don't want him to know so they have this breakfast together where the guy is essentially eyeing them down and he's trying to be cool he brings up the dummy to kind of like ease the tension yeah because that's uh, how you ease tension (laughs) Well, I would be, and I, in my mind, I would have played up on the fact where, like, look, I'm a fucking nerd. Look how I'm dressed. I got yeah. this dummy. Your pretty hot wife is not going to be interested in me. Yeah. Um, but he suspects the shit out of it. And then there's a couple scenes where the wife and the husband are having a fight, and he's accusing her of shit. And at one point, he's like, "Did you sleep with him?" And she's like, "No," which is, I think, a lie. And then she goes, "But I wanted to." So he's Ooh. Like, Fuck. So then. He, Husband goes and gets Anthony Hopkins from the, you know, the back farm that he's sleeping in. And he's like, hey, let's go fishing. And Anthony Hopkins is like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure. He's like, where's, where's the girl? And he's like, she said she wanted to go into town. She has a decision to make. She'll be back later. So they get into the, the boat and, you know, the guy is grilling her. The guy's like, it, it, and then this point now, it turns into a pretty cool, like, cat and mouse affair movie. He's like, she told me last night. She told me all about what you guys have done. And Anthony Hopkins is like, what? What, 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 what are you talking about? He's like, she told me that you guys slept together, which is a lie. We know that he, he's, he's baiting Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is like, well, she was fucking with you, man. And he's like, if you're trying to get me to admit something that didn't happen. So there's this, this weird thing and they're fishing and the fishing line gets caught on something. They start to pull it up, pull it up, pull it up. It's like a shopping cart or some shit, but you think it's the body. Mm. Then they look and the body is on the shore. And the, the husband is like, oh, we got to go help that guy. So they paddle over and Anthony Hopkins is pretending like he doesn't know it's the guy. Oh, it's fucking, it's great. They think Anthony Hopkins might still be, I mean, uh, Burgess Meredith might still be alive for a second. So uh, Anthony Hopkins runs to go get the police and the dummy is like, you know what you have to do. Fuck. The husband ends up, the husband ends up like, where is Anthony Hopkins? He runs to Anthony Hopkins' little shack and he goes inside and he's like looking around and he's snooping. Oh, Burgess Meredith had no no identification on him. Ooh. So Anthony Hopkins pretended like it, he didn't know who it was. The husband comes in and he's looking around through Anthony Hopkins' shit. He finds Burgess Meredith's um, stuff. He finds the bloody pieces of the puppet that Anthony Hopkins beat him with. And you see the puppet behind him move. And you're like, fuck. Then the puppet starts stabbing him, stabbing him. And you're like, he is alive. But it was Anthony Hopkins in a sheet behind the puppet. Fucking, it's still great though. 
then at the end of the movie, obviously there's that thing where the puppets like he's the, you know, Anthony Hopkins is like, no, you're bad for me. I'm putting you down and I'm going for her. And he's like, I the puppets like, I won't let you do that. He's like, we got to go kill this woman. And then he's got to make the, he, he goes, he leaves. And then when he comes back, he's, he's uh, got a bloody knife and the puppets like, ah, so you killed her, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Anthony Hopkins reveals he stabbed himself. <gasps> so the woman doesn't know where the husband is. She thinks he left. Oh, he, the, the Anthony Hopkins flips out at her and she tries to break her. I think he tries to like break her heart because of the doll to get her away. Mm. And she was like, fine, fuck oh, you. He, I'm pu- he pulls the old yeller moment. Get away. I think, go. I think I, I, something like that, but she's mad at him. Oh no. You know what? The doll, the dummy tell with Anthony Hopkins standing there, the dummy tells her that all that lovey dovey shit that he said to her, he says to all the little chickadees and they love it. So she's now like, I'm fucking, my bags are literally packed to leave my husband. And now you, Anthony Hopkins, are telling me this nonsense through a puppet? Fuck you. So she leaves, goes to her house, and the dummy's like, you got to go kill her. And he's like, no, no, no. He takes a knife, he goes to kill her. And there's a, there's a scene of her in her room. It's, it's, it, and this is, it's really well done where out through the door, the dummy is talking to her. But he's not coming in. And you see under the door, you can see the light moving. So someone's out there. Is it the dummy? Is it Anthony Hopkins? Is it both of them? And the dummy's like, you know, we just wanted you to know he's really sorry and blah, blah, blah. And he's talking to her, talking to her. And she's like, he's, he leaves her a, a present or something. Is and she just talking to the dummy? Wouldn't you be like, stop talking to me with your dummy, you dummy? The dummy was being sweet. And she's like, you know, I understand it's just, this is just not going to work for us. Yeah. I get it. Oh, you know? Yeah. Then it cuts to outside and Anthony Hopkins walks away without the, I don't think he, he doesn't have the dummy. And he stands like around the corner and he's got a knife. And he put a present, like a, some sort of token down in front of the door. So I think it sets it up so that you think he's going to try to stab her when she comes out to get that present. Yeah. He comes back to, the, to the, his house with bloody, with the, with the dummies there. And the dummy's like, what happened? And he tells the dummy, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he reveals he stabbed himself, not <sighs> her. So the dummy's like, wait a minute. We're going to die then? You know, because the dummy's attached yeah. Him, but at no point do you really know if the dummy has any sort of actual magic or is Anthony Hopkins just fucking crazy in a grave control of It is really well done and it's a lot of fun. And it's one of those things where the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, I've seen this before, but maybe never this good, you know? That is bizarre, man. Um, I kind of want to see it now. It's, I mean, it's worth the watch. I got it's two questions for you. Well, I have yes, one we thing. see a I, little bit of boobs, but not a lot. Oh, okay. I'm, wa- I'm looking at the poster here. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto changeo, now he is me. Hocus pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is fun. We're dead. That's what it says on the poster. Yeah, that's what I just explained. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, how is anybody still getting into ventriloquism when the only representation ever of ventriloquists <laughs> are psycho creepy losers with murder dummies on their hands? Like, I've never seen a movie reasons. that's like, hey, I'm a cool ventriloquist. I'm a regular guys. person. Yeah. Never, or like ever, just a ever. successful, a, with no sort of black magic, serial killer yeah. bullshit. I'm a successful ventriloquist who entertains with my dummy, and that's it. I and that's it. I put dummy down, it's a piece of wood, and then I have a regular life. No, never in a movie, like, I, I'm trying to think, what is it, Sleepless in Seattle or something? Like, Billy Crystal is also a, um, like a, a basketball referee. 
It's like you never have that where like, you know, the, uh, the movie's about a romantic relationship, but every now and then he goes and performs with a dummy and everybody thinks he's cool. Right. Never yeah. happens. Never happens in a movie. Anytime we see a ventriloquist, it's got a horror element. The guy's crazy. He's a loser. The dummy's a murderer. There's magic. Like, it's terrible. Which is funny because inherently then that, that like, I think movies and TV kind of speak about us as a society, right? Yeah. And nobody likes ventriloquists. That's the thing. Well, we all think fucking ventriloquism and ventriloquists are creepy, right? Except like you go to Vegas and he's creepy. like one of the biggest, Jeff Dunham or whatever is one of the biggest shows out there. So somebody thinks Who else cool. though? I no mean, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I wouldn't. Go oh, so yeah, it, Jeff Dunham. But like what other Howdy Doody? Not Howdy Doody. Who is the little like uh, that's Howdy Doody looking one? Uh, oh, wait. Howdy Doody was a cowboy. So that's one. Oh, Art. Art McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. MacArthur. Art McCarthy. Yeah. Something Arthur like that. MacArthur. That's the butler one. He was famous for yeah. like in his time then. Right. Howdy Doody. But still. What other famous? They look like murder puppets. They're horror. <laughs> Slappy from Goosebumps. <laughs> It would be interesting to go back and find out what was the first time that a dummy, specifically a dummy, was murderous or, or nefarious on screen and somehow try to track down before that, see if anybody had thought or was creepy about them or if the first time someone was like, hey, what if that thing killed people? I know that there was a really good... Um, I think it was called the dummy twilight zone episode where the dummy was talking and making the guy do stuff and making the guy, it was very similar to this, but at the end they switched places at the end, the human had the voice of the dummy and there was a, a man the the main character in makeup of dummy makeup was now the dummy. That's dead that silence. Was pretty cool. Dead silence, right? Was that one? The movie? Yeah. Dead silence. No, dead silence was different. This is the twilight zone movie. Oh, the Twilight Zone movie. Not movie, okay. not movie. That was the Twilight Zone episode. Still creepy. I, I mean, I guess there's been a handful of them, but like, yeah, the, the one that I remember, Edgar Bergman, Bergen, Edgar Bergen and his sideshow, Charlie McCarthy. Charlie McCarthy. Yeah. Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy were like old school, super famous ones. And then like. What year yeah, does it say when? Like in the 40s. So the question is, did anybody think that that puppet might kill them in the 40s? I think I think Charlie McCarthy was threatening death to everybody at all times. I think he was like, I, I ought to get your hand out of my ass. And everybody was like, ah, that's funny. He wants to kill him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, but like, but the thing is, then you look at like more famous ones now and it's like, but they have like, they, they, they finally like, okay, the puppet is the problem. So like they got, <laughs> they got cooler looking puppets or like ones that don't look like they're like murder sure. fests. Right. Like they knew what to do, how to like change that. Like here's, here's this like, this woman who does it with a fuzzy bunny puppet. And it's like, okay, that's a little more, that's more like a cartoon. I saw this guy, he was like an astronaut, a famous astronaut who does a ventriloquism show and he had like an alien puppet. And that was, I thought it was hysterical. Sure. Um, as, as a, a kid, kid or as a grown up? As a kid, I thought it was hysterical. But like when the puppet is trying to be a human, that's to me, oh, okay. that's, that's when it starts to so get then, creepy. Let me ask you this then. It's a stormy night. Your car breaks down in front of a house, regular house, not a creepy yeah. house, but like a regular house. You knock on the door and it's Jeff Dunham's house. And you're like, my car won't start. There's a thunderstorm. And he's like, you can stay in the guest room. And you go into the guest room. It's a nice guest room. Everything is comfortable. But that's where he stores the puppets. And there's like all of his little weird puppets. So it's that little, I think he's got the <laughs> the turban, the, the Taliban guy, right? Oh, uh, Yeah, the definitely not that racist one. one. <laughs> I think he's got a like a something that looks like a monkey, but with a purple head and hair. Uh huh. Yeah, he's the got gooby, that one. one. Are you remember. asking me which puppet I'm fucking? 
<laughs> Why would you go there? I'm saying those puppets are there on the on the on the wall, staring at you essentially while you get into bed to go to sleep. You're not fucking anything. <laughs> are you scared of those puppets because of ventriloquism and puppets, or because they don't really look like humans? You're not really worried about it. No, I'm not. I'm not scared. Forget why I thought I was going to fuck a puppet there. I'm sorry. sorry, yeah, sorry. Where, where, what, what did you think? We like what? Peanut, you have you been started? chewing on gum? Did you, um, <laughs> if it was Charlie McCarthy and those kind of puppets, those you'd be scared of? It gets creepier. It certainly gets creepier when they're mm. like, I'm a stone face puppet face creature thing that looks like he, like, it's one thing if it's the purple, like, Muppet. Like, I'm not scared of Muppets if it was just a bunch of puppets. Mm. I mean, if they started talking, that'd be creepy. But, like, again, no, no, the, I just uh, nothing, nothing the, happens. Yeah, the 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 wooden creepy classic puppet look is creepy, okay. but like a muppety puppety thing isn't. That's not as scary to me. Those are the kinds you take to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one am I fucking? <laughs> that might be. And we've had some some really good adventures and some amazing talks over our friendship. That might be one of the best because I was not ready. And when we release this episode, I'm going to go back and hear like the, the conversation leading up to that point yeah. to see how you got there. Cause if you watch the YouTube, you'll also see the moment where my eyes go, am I going to fuck a pop? Yeah. Jeff Dunham walks past his guest room and he hears, Oh yeah, that's it. And he's like, wait, are my puppets alive? Who's, Who's in there? He's like, Peanut, what are you doing? Stop it. And then I'm doing the puppet voice like, oh, no, I, I didn't know you'd be here. I thought you'd left. Oh, no. And it's like, he's like, wow, you do a pretty good puppet voice. I'm like, don't come in here. <laughs> when you, and I've never tried this. I never even thought of it. But when you fuck a puppet, are you fucking it in its genitals? Or are you fucking it in the handhole? <laughs> Mouth stuff only. <laughs> <laughs> that guy uh, you were talking to is like i'm i'm fucking out i was I, I was here for a comic book crossovers i don't know we started we started with this guy's air conditioning and now we're in a puppet's asshole <laughs> i hope i never ever have to try and get a job involving puppets after somebody they're like well we were gonna hire you for this next muppet movie but you're like, I love puppets. No, really. I love puppets. I fucking love them. Did you say fucking love or fuck and love them? I don't know. Go to the next go to the next resume. Well, let's see. It says here as a podcast. Let's just pick a couple episodes. Oh, look, this one is about ventriloquist dummies. I I swear, when we have like a little break and we come back, it, it we we crank it up to like <laughs> We got to make up for lost time. 11 or 12. Oh, that's hysterical. Well, guys, tell us what body you'd fuck. <laughs> Let us know on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod on our website, launchpadpod.com. Watch us on YouTube. <laughs> Please, guys, respond to that. <laughs> We won't, we won't like set you up and we won't like out you, but it'd be so funny if any of you respond to that prompt. No judgment here on the lunch. Uh, all right, Ruby, let's blast this thing off before it gets worse. We're wow. the Launchpad Podcast and we're out. And we're 
out. Uh, it completely Six, fell apart. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.